Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Great coaching is where they're the star, yeah. not you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're the, they're totally. the superhero, not you. Today's episode is from our show on coaching, where elite coaches from Novus Global and faculty from the Meta Performance Institute discuss the pursuit of excellence in executive coaching. In part two of our inaugural episode, I continue my discussion with coaches David Gerber, Janet Wood, and Amanda Jaggard on their introduction to coaching and why it's their great passion in life. Some topics covered are examples of great clients, the difference between soul line and goal line coaching, and how to embark upon the journey of becoming a coach yourself. Enjoy the show. Well, I think the, the part of the growth of being a client becomes you know, something we refer to formally as like the beginner's mindset yeah. is the better you get at that. So like when my coach asked me a question that he's asked me a hundred times, I don't, I don't, I resist the urge to be like, I've answered this question. I've arrived. And I think that when I first was getting coached early on, I thought, you know, like Janet had the note cards. I had like Evernote files on Evernote files on Evernote files. I could search for anything like at a moment's notice for that run question. And it was like, you know, as I, as I, uh, hopefully I've matured in my coaching, right. And becoming a client is, is I've learned to, every time I get a question asked, sometimes I'll tell a coach, you just asked a powerful question. Shut up. Like, let <laughs> me think about it. Let me think yeah. about it today, right now, because yeah. I'm different than I was a week ago and a year ago. And I want to chew on that. And I want to resist the natural urge to be like, I've heard that question before. I know what the answer is. Yeah. That's, and really, evolve. Good. That's really good, Gerber. And that, I think for people who've been working with a, with a coach, if you've been working with a coach for a long time, that's a good thing to always remind yourself of. Uh, I love my clients so much. And some, there's one in particular I'm thinking of that sometimes when I ask them a question and I've been, I've been there where they smile and they say, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, like I know as if, as if coaching is like a trick. You know, as, as if it's like, Hey, I'm not a magician. I'm a personal trainer. And so imagine, you know, if, if I went into work with my personal trainer and he said, okay, okay, uh, Jason, today's leg day. And I looked at him, I'm like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. Squats, yeah. Lunges. Yeah. Right. Like you're just trying to, you're just trying to get me to work out like i don't know even how to finish that <laughs> that sentence but it's, it's you know it's, it's interesting you know um where you become there's a phrase uh unfamiliarity through overexposure mm. where we become unfamiliar to things because we've been around them so much and it's important for us to realize that questions like janet had, had written down they are mm -hmm. not they are not pills that we swallow they are they are dumbbells that we lift yeah and even for me to get over like what gerber mm -hmm. said for me to get over the, Hey, I've heard that a thousand times and say, let me get under the bar and bench this another time because it's that thousandth rep that's going to produce the strength that I'm looking for in my life. Yeah. That's good. But that's all I got. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I just found it so energizing because I used to, I think it's a, it's a humility because there's this arrogance to be like, I've heard that before. Yes. So I think there's, there's, there's like a self-generated energy that happens when, when you get asked a good question you've heard before and you're like, like you really sit in it. And yeah. like what you, what we've said is, you know, it's not a question. It's a question you answer to, or it's not a question you answer. It's, you know, something you sit in and you dwell in. And one of the current coaches I'm working with right now, 
uses that word a lot and I've heard it before again of like dwell in something. Mm. And so he'll have me read an article over and over and over. And it's kind of to, to, to buck against that idea of like, I've read this article. Now I've read it four times. Now I've read it five times. And it's like, okay, you're going to read it again this week. And I'm like, okay. And you kind of, then you can, and then you kind of dwell, learn to dwell with it and just see, and maybe there's like one word that's going to stick out or one phrase that you've never seen before. Um, and I think it's, we get to be so arrogant sometimes thinking, oh, I've read this article before. Yeah. I like um, so, that a lot. Yeah, yeah Steve. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Janet. I was going to ask because this this brings up a potential topic around slippery clients. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'd be curious because I don't think I mentioned that to someone outside of the firm recently, and they found it interesting, and and they reminded me that oh, that's 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 something we talk about a lot, but most people don't know if they're a slippery client. How can we be slippery clients? What yes. what are your thoughts, Jason? To uh, um, who are your slippery clients or how do you know when a client is being slippery? Well, I think uh, one, uh, I don't want to take the bait. So, uh, what, 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 what Janet, what do you, oh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I can answer. I, uh, my instinct is to answer that question, but I think it'd be more fun <laughs> if I, if I, if I punt it back to you three. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think well, for one thing, I think it's been incredibly freeing, um, internally for us to be aware that we can be slippery. Yeah. What do you, um, so let's define the terms and yeah, so sure. what is slippery? Yeah. So I, slippery, cause what brought it up for me was this idea of, uh, people who are too smart for their own good. Hmm. Like when, so it's, it reminds me of the, uh, your favorite educational psychology quote, which is the hardest thing to learn. Is that what you think you already know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me that defines, uh, when, and I don't think anyone is outright slippery, but I think we have slippery moments. Um, and I think when I'm being slippery, it's because I think like, oh, I, I already know this, or, um, I'm going to just say what this coach wants to hear yeah, or, um, I'm going to answer around the question and not yes. actually answer the question. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a form of avoidance in my opinion. How, how would you define it? Uh, define it, Amanda. Yeah. The avoidance piece. I, I think that that is like, I'm slippery when I'm avoiding. So when I think of like slippery clients, it's when they're not being honest with me Mm. about what's really going on. They're talking around it, finding something that is, is so sometimes I'll ask clients and then they might not really own what to bring to the sessions. Like what's the conversation you're avoiding these days? What's the conversation you don't want to have? here. But I think for me, when I'm, when I'm slippery, it is telling the coach what I think that they want to hear or withholding, or if I can bait them into giving insights and giving advice and all of that, then I can just that's go, comfortable. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, that's good. Right. If, so if I can like make, figure out how to make the coach feel good, then they'll get off my back because yeah. they're thinking like, Oh, I just did a really good job. And then oh. God, we didn't really talk about what was going on with me. Great. That's so good. I just I just did that to my coach like in the last sixty days. I, I didn't I didn't come prepared. I didn't know what to talk about. I didn't you know everything. And I and I it, it's not like an intentional thing. It is under it is it is under the table. But I did allow him to uh, to step into the ambiguity and just monologue. And was wonderful about that. Then so I get to I get to be unprepared and I get to judge him for monologuing. 
right? And so like, uh, that's a total, that's a fantastic con. I'm just so in that moment, not committed to creating value mm, yeah. based on me not showing up and then me not being honest with him when he's yammering. <laughs> but <laughs> awesome. you know, some clients set it up to where that's the system that they, yeah, if you if you just start talking that I don't have to do any thinking. Yeah, uh, there's a phrase that uh, I use, yeah, go ahead, Gerber. There's kind of uh, the, the thought that I had about what makes a slippery client or whatever. Yeah. The, the, what I've found to define it is like people that, that are insistent on staying very, very general. Yeah. And then they almost, it's almost like they get upset when you invite them into specifics. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I had actually had that happen yesterday where I was this, this client I think has a very inflated self-flattering view of themselves. Um, cause they, they say all these things as if things are going very well. And so they're a person, is that what you're saying? So they're a person. So they're a person. <laughs> I mean, how dare they? Pop, 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 pop. Um, and, you know, and, uh, and it was, and I kept inviting him into more specifics and, and, um, and they just resisted it and almost like got mad at me. Yeah. And I'm like, you're the person who doesn't have results that align with the way you talk about your results. And then I invite you in a very clear, simple specifics. And you go off on this whole storyline about how amazing everything that you are is doing. And I'm like, and mm-hmm. Look at the results. Yeah. And or as was yeah. uh there's one book I was reading that had this phrase, it's like, and there you sit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, geez, I didn't oh, wow. use that one, but, it, but yeah, it's like <laughs> that was the so you talking? <laughs> I just thought about that, like saying that to my my 15-year-old or something, and there you sit. And it's like that's so much better than I told you so. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. take that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> And here and here we are. Yeah. yeah here we are. And here yeah. you sit. Yeah. The 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 one thought I appreciate you sharing that, Gerbs. The the one that I, I oftentimes I think I do say slippery sometimes. Like, it, uh, it, but uh, a question that I've been asking my clients is, in what ways are you conning me? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think so. Part of this is, and this gets your your I think what you're bringing up earlier, Janet, is I think it's a job of a coach to to bring in the reality that we're conning each other. Mm-hmm. into this relationship and then for us together to get curious about in what ways and what, where am I as a coach pulling punches? Like if mm-hmm. you're going to, if you're going to be a good client, you should ask your coach, yeah, where are you pulling punches with me? And then yeah. if you are, if, if you're a coach, you should ask your clients somewhat regularly in what ways are you tempted to con me? Mm-hmm. You know, and Amanda knows this story. There's a friend of ours who I coached and I think even Amanda might've coached and I, I really struggled to coach her powerfully um, I, I would judge her as uncoachable in that space. Maybe I, I didn't do a good enough job and I'm sure that there's a lot for me to own on that. This is years ago. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm just off my game, but, uh, I remember talking to her about gender selection in coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I think she wanted to continue coaching, but she wanted to do it with someone who is more affordable than I was. And so I was like, yeah, let me pass you to somebody. I said, do you want a man or a woman? And I don't even know if you should, you should, you know, this is years ago. I don't know if you should ask that question. <laughs> and I expected her, she's, you know, she's kind of a rock star and, and, uh, I expected her to say, uh, I, I want a, I want a woman, you know, cause like women, you know, women power and, and that kind of thing. And she goes, <laughs> no, I for sure want a man. And I, and that surprised me. So I asked her like, why would you want a, a dude coach when you can create opportunity for, for, for a woman? And she mm-hmm. goes, oh, because men are easier to manipulate. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciated that answer. You know, it's like, yeah. Cause if I get, if I'm getting coached by a woman, she's going to be able to read my mail. She's, she knows all my, she knows all my tricks. You know, she, she can, she can read, she sees all those things. And if I'm talking to a guy, you know, they, then they don't know. And, and I think there's a degree of, there's probably more of a truth to that than I think we might want to admit mm-hmm. as a, as an example, 
uh, I think Gerber, I heard this through our managing director. So Dan told me, I think a story about Gerber leaning into, um, or a few people. So we have in our firm, we have squads where people like coach each other. And there was a, a, a dude in our firm who has, has, has a kid and they've been using their kid as an excuse not to lean into their growth. And I would, I, I don't have kids. I have nephews. It's not even remotely the same thing. I let that guy get away with that for a while because I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind that that would be an excuse. Mm. And I managed, you know, wagging your finger and, and, uh, Dan's wife, Laura Leflar was, is in that squad. And what I heard was they really leaned in on him and they're yep. like, Hey, Hey, look like Laura's, I got three kids, you know, and, and yep. I'm married and I'm working like, you can't use your kid as an excuse kind of a thing. And that, that, that was a racket that would have never dawned on me. Mm. Um, which I think is really fascinating that, that, that we do as good as we are, there's yeah. still things we don't always see, which again, I think hearing that story now will make me more emboldened with my clients who have kids to be aware of how they might be using their kids as a racket. Whereas yeah. if I was a solopreneur coach and just doing my own thing, I would have never, that's a blind spot that I carry with me forever. Mm. which I think is really fascinating. Mm. Well, and the only way that Laura would know that is because she's done that work in her life, right? Like, mm. I think I know for me, it, it, so it's a, like, it's a constant working for me, right? Noticing when I'm using my children as an avoidance. They're one of my favorite, most noble ways to, to avoid things. And so again, I think back to the doing the work in my, my own life. And then there isn't like a shaming of you shouldn't be using your kid. It's like, Hey, I get it. And what value could be you, you could be leaving on the table, Hmm. um, because you're using that as an avoidance. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So Gerber, let me kick it to you for a second because I do like this question and, and we've gotten some answers. It, it wasn't, it wasn't formulated, but it now is concretized. What are the ways Gerber that you're most tempted to con your coach? What are the ways I'm most tempted to con yeah, my coach? When you were, and by the way, so everyone in the firm, if you're listening to this, everyone in the firm has a coach, all of us, inc- including our office staff or secretaries, administrative assistants, everyone has a coach. Mm-hmm. And so Gerber probably has multiple coaches right now. I don't know who you, <laughs> what you're up to right now, but uh, so uh, like, wh- where are you most tempted to con your coach or to be slippery uh, or whatever we're calling it? Yeah, I think usually it'll be something around like I'm exhausted or overwhelmed or things like that a lot of times. So then that'll be my excuse for not showing up prepared. Mm. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a patternistic thing. Um, And so, cause it's like, who's, and I can create a whole story around why I'm so exhausted Mm. and overwhelmed. That sounds really good. Yeah. Um, You know, and, 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 and you get, you get, um, you get good at telling that story. That, yeah. that's, that's, that, uh, that's, that, that's, I think that's what, that's my current, uh, addiction. I love that. Well, and you get good. That story works so well because that story colloquially in, in modern culture, that story gets you empathy versus, uh, mm-hmm. um, whatever the opposite of empathy, not the opposite of empathy, but it gets you, it gets you, to, you can overdose on empathy versus stepping into the conversations that are actually going to move you forward Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. with that. So I love that. People How about, let you off the hook. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. How can I make things easier for you? Versus, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. How can I help you get stronger? Yeah, that's you know, and I, I definitely prefer one of those conversations over the other <laughs> in yeah. my everyday life, even though that's not what I'm paying my coach for. Okay, yeah. I have I have a good one. Do it. Uh, <laughs> my favorite way, probably, to con my coach is to bring up something that I've already got a good handle on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah, everything everything's working. Everything's working. 
And it's not really the thing that I'm avoiding or it's not really an area of discomfort. And so then it's, it's like lifting a five pound weight mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, <laughs> versus the, the 50 pound weight. Can we just do some aerobics today? Yeah. <laughs> Can we just do body weight? <laughs> let's, let's just go yeah. on a light stroll. Let's yeah, just, just do a, a light walk. Stroll. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and obviously I think there are, you know, one of the things I'm playing with right now with my clients is setting up like sprints and then rest sessions. Mm-hmm. So we have these like intense series of sprints. And I got this actually from reading, maybe I was talking or I was listening to, I can't remember where it was, but it was some professional athlete talking about how you need recovery time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that coaching is like a contact sport. And, but, and I think some people think recovery time is not talking to your coach. And I think that's actually probably not super wise necessarily, depending on what you're trying to, wanting to get out of it. So I'm trying, okay, how do we build, mm. how do we build recovery time in a coaching session? And so what we do is we move towards our sprints and then we have one session between sprints where mm. we get to do a postmortem. We get mm. to go in and listen to their heart and see, mm. okay, this is what you've been like. You've had your head down for the last six weeks. Let's take your head up for a second and say, how are we doing? Is this still what you want to be going towards and kind of checking in? And it's a lighter and we dream a little bit together. We, we move the chains and talk about the next sprints. Mm. And so there's, I think there, there's a place and a time for rhythms of intensity of, of coaching. Um, do they know that that's coming? Yeah. So I actually work it into our asana. Yeah. So in asana, we have sprints and then we have a break session. I love that because even I'm like, thinking like time to celebrate wins yep. and right. So there's like a, a cadence where I do that with clients, you know, on the on the regular. But I think even knowing that that it's like knowing that a vacation is coming. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you like save that type of conversation for that. So yep. instead of directing clients back to the work, the most maximum value that like they know that that's coming. I wonder if there would be a conscious saving of that. It's just a really, I love that. It's a really great way to train clients and how, and how to think and make the most of each session for its purpose. Yeah. yeah. I'm not ready to call it a best practice yet. It's something that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm playing with, but so far my clients really like it and they really appreciate it. Uh, so I think that's, that's, and the, the reason why I mentioned that is because I think pe- being overwhelmed as we're talking about what makes you, how do you con your coach? You know, mm-hmm. being saying overwhelmed or whatever, I think it's okay to say, "Hey, I'm just really overwhelmed today." Janet did that for me one time. So Janet was my coach years ago, and in fact, I'll think all three. Actually, Amanda, have you been? Yeah, all three of you been my coach, mm-hmm. and because in the firm we rotate, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, when Janet actually I didn't enjoy this moment, but I remember it, <laughs> and that's I think something important to remember as well is sometimes the most powerful moments with your coach have been the ones that you appreciate the least while they're happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember. Yeah. With, with Steve Hardison, when I was flying to Phoenix to work with him, he would say things that would offend me or upset me, but then I'd wrestle with it mm-hmm. and I would, maybe wouldn't want to talk to him for a little bit, but I was wrestling with it. I was, it was having, it was doing its work. Yeah. And, and yeah. Janet, one time we, we showed up and I said, Hey, like you said, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm, I'm not feeling good. And then he said, well, how do you want to feel? <laughs> And I was like, not happy about that question, <laughs> but it was really helpful. And then you slowed it down and we, we did some work on my way of being, which made the rest of the session more valuable mm. and which I really appreciated. But at the moment I was like, I, you know, I had, I didn't like that. You asked me that question. I was offended by that. And Janet's really good at that <laughs> several times, both in the coaching space and interpersonally, Janet has given mm. feedback or observations to me that I don't agree with in the moment, mm. but then sit with and carry with me mm. and then find the value of later which it's not great for Janet because she's got to put up with me in the meantime, but 
it's great for me because I get the I get the results. I cry I cry for days afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I know, she's, Jason my, didn't understand. Me. <laughs> I'm so important. <laughs> Amanda, how do you how do you kind of coach? Um, probably, um, not what I want to say is like not getting specific on results, but I will have specific results. So I'll either sandbag Mm -hmm. my results. So creating something that's totally doable, um, but might look really hard on the outside for some weird reason. Um, or I think oftentimes I'm just conning my coach, conning myself, I'll choose outcomes or results that I'm not really committed to anyway. So there is this idea Mm. of, um, like not, not playing the game full out and, um, like, or I had actually a conversation with, um, with Chandler and, uh, it was like, you know, playing to win. I was like, Oh, actually I don't, play games to win. Like I oftentimes just like get myself into the game and like, Oh, I'll move this chess piece here and move this chess piece here. And I don't play to win. So I think that that's a lot of the way that I con myself and my coach in a coaching session is just not having any type of desire to actually win the game that we've set out. And it's like, I'm just going to show up to play, but I'm not playing to win. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Lee Stockberger was coaching me a little while ago. She's another coach in our firm. And these short sessions, you know, 30 minutes, whatever. And I showed up and I said, here's what I want to do. There's, there's a saying that I heard like, okay, no bullshit. Like, you know, how would you accomplish this? Like just cut through it if you're just going to accomplish this. So all she did was she just held that held space for me to answer the bench press that question for 30 minutes. Cause I was getting my ass kicked by my goals. Like I was just getting, I was just failing. You know, I had all these, this vision for 2021 or sorry for 2020 and just losing, not hitting, not hitting the goals I wanted to hit. And so she just held a space for me to say, okay, no bullshit. If, which is another way of saying, if you're going to play to win, how would you do this? And yeah. then I wrote down all these things like, this is what I do. This is what I do. And what's interesting is more than those specific things. I couldn't tell you what those specific things were, but just sitting in that mentality for yeah. 30 minutes and like change the direct to the trajectory of the company. So there are mm-hmm. moves we're making now that came from sitting kind of like, uh, I never say the word, right. Mar- marinating. Mm-hmm. marinating that, yes mar- yeah great thank you uh you yeah. know like, like sitting and marinating soaking in yeah. that question for 30 minutes there was a residue that carried me into several other decisions in the next 30 days which i really loved and so mm-hmm. this a nice distinction of like playing to win versus playing not to lose i was it, and it's not just the question it's what happens to you in, internally as you think about it mm-hmm. by the way the two for me, the two greatest indicators that I'm conning my coach is I don't show up prepared. And mm-hmm. when the sessions are inconsistent from session to session, mm-hmm. those what are do you mean big- inconsistent. Yeah. To where it's like, uh, it's like jet ski coaching. It's like this week, we're going to talk about relationships. And then this week, we're going to talk about my practice. And then this week, we're going to talk about art. And then this week, we're going to talk about, and there's no like building anything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, it's just kind of whatever comes up. We're just going to talk about yeah. whatever comes up. And I find that I get way more value uh, like exponentially, not even like not even comparable value. When I say it doesn't mean that we can't have like ancillary characters of the show. Where I say this is what this show is about. These are the primary yes. characters. These are the conversations I'm talking about. And I do my work around those things, and I show up prepared to talk about these things. And I yeah. talk about those things predominantly over a long period of time uh, to create long-standing results. 
I think especially in our firm where sometimes you're getting coached multiple places at multiple times, it's easy to be undisciplined and to stay focused on the actual things. Like I look back at like sessions I've done, like even like uh, like incubator sessions I did with John or other things where you have that moment in time and you got those, you got some insights or you got some next steps, or whatever, but then they disappear into the ether. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you didn't capture them Asana and then the next time, you know, you're just kind of doing the thing. So I think those are the, that's where I feel the most shame. Yeah. I feel shame in coaching. Uh, when I'm, when I'm getting coached, I feel shame when I'm not prepared mm. and when I am bouncing all over the place from session to session. So mm. I know I'm robbing myself of value. Yeah. That's super convicting. I think that's what I appreciate <laughs> having. Sorry. Gerber said that's super convicting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for, for the, for the people I know. I think like that's what I even appreciate as in you were saying that just like oh like having even just different coaches so like there's a coach in the firm and that time when we on the Wednesday morning coaching it's set aside for this particular conversation and then I have another coach in my life that's a habit coach so mm-hmm. certain things that are around my my well-being and my self-care and there are our habits and then I have another coach that's like specific outcomes so I have the different spaces where it is very clear of this is the game this is what we're going after um, cause I'm up to a lot of things. Like I'm not just up to one thing. Yeah. I, 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 I want it all. Yep. So we're, mm. I need to hire a parent coach. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a guy on a, uh, like a state farm commercial. I got, I, I think I can get in touch with. Yeah. <laughs> there's a parent coach. Is that a thing? Is that, is... <laughs> it's a, it's a dad coach. Have you not seen the commercial? It's hilarious. Uh, no, but it sounds great. Oh no. my God. It's so funny. It's like a, it's like, it's just, it's funny. It's <laughs> Try to explain just, it. Just trust me. It's funny. You'll think you'll think about your dad when you when you watch it. <laughs> so then, so let's talk about. So the, this is, I suppose, in the same vein. So we've talked about being slippery. We've talked about when you're conning your coach. Let's talk about coachability. You know, I think mm-hmm. I can't remember. It was, I can't remember the guy's name is Bill. There's a book that the CEO of Google wrote called the I think the, the trillion dollar coach or the billion dollar yeah. coach. Trillion. Trillion dollar Trillion. coach. And I, I remember there's an anecdote in there that I've stolen and used with clients around uh, you know asking people are you coachable and what does coachability mean to you? Um, and and I'll, I'll say this as a, as a preface. Well, actually no, I'll hold that for a second. Okay. So mm. have you ever worked with someone who was not coachable or that you would, def- you would, as they occur to you, you would call them not coachable. And what are the attributes of a person to you? Who's not coachable? Mm. Yeah, this might sound similar to what we talked about earlier, but, to me, I'm thinking of one particular example where after about three months, it was pretty clear that the client didn't want to do the heavy lifting. They Mm. didn't want to own the fact that they had the ability to create their own results. Mm -hmm. They're constantly wanting me to just give them a tool, advice, an article, the how, um, and, uh, so they weren't outright saying, no. So it was slippery and mm-hmm. interesting. It was slippery enough to act like, no, 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 I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. So verbally they kept acting like I'm open, I'm coachable, but in their actions, they were not willing to do the heavy lifting, not willing to look within. And so mm-hmm. we ended up parting ways because they, they just wanted someone mm-hmm. to tell them what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar experience where I, I was trying to be flexible and not like force them into my regimen or my routine 
You yeah. know, I think I think that's what I tell myself. And so they were like, hey man, just like let's just show up and you tell me uh what you're reading, you know, and things like that. And I remember thinking at the time I was charging a thousand dollars an hour and I was like, you just wanna you're gonna pay a thousand dollars to have me tell you uh what I'm thinking and what I'm reading. But then I put a lot of pressure on myself to show up like a dancing monkey and like have some good things that I've read and you know, those types of things and and uh, mm. that's, you know, I don't, uh, that's probably not a good use of that person's money. But anytime I try to move it into a ontological or inquiry based coaching space, uh, he was like, no, nah, we're good. I'm, I'm good. He didn't have anything to talk about. That's fascinating. So he actually requested, hey, I'd love to hear what you're reading. Yeah. And he's a really good guy, super talented leader, super talented leader, really good guy. And, and but it was when we we're talking about what would be valuable for him. He didn't, he didn't, for whatever reason, and I never asked the questions, he didn't want me to ask him questions. He felt like he was doing just fine. He wanted me to give him new things to think about or new perspectives or mm. almost like a, almost like a, a, a consultant. Yeah. Mm. That, well, to me, it almost sounds more like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and he's, and he's got plenty of friends, but, um, I think, but it was like a specific kind of friend. It's friend, yeah. by the way, yeah. funny, that- it sounds like a friend to you. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my kind of you friends. Know, you're weird. <laughs> you know? I know. Like coaches are weird. This is what we do recreationally. This is a Saturday, <laughs> and we're all giving up our Saturday to have this conversation. That's weird. Uh, yeah. So I think like be, when someone so to answer my own question, like I don't think that he was. I don't want to. This is what I was going to say earlier. I don't believe in a lack of coachability. I do believe in a person who doesn't want to be coached either by you or right now. Right. Mm. And That's I think I think he did not want to be coached by me at that time. Yep. You know, yeah. Maybe if someone else would have come into his world, he would have been more open, or maybe it's just the wrong time. But he was he was winning and he felt good and he didn't want to go through the non-flattering mm-hmm. reflection or asking questions he didn't want to answer or go through the discomfort of having to grow in ways that weren't felt needs for him or whatever. Well, I think it's helpful what you just said, Jason, because I think it's easy to when we say who's not coachable. It, it's it, it's I can imagine people might be thinking, Oh no, am I not coachable? Like what, almost like it's bad, but yeah. oftentimes it's just, Hey, this is just not what I want right now. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not the season. It can be actually really clarifying to say that. Yeah. Yep. Right? And then I'll reevaluate in 60 to 90 days if I want to jump in and, and get under the bar. Now here's what's interesting about that. And I'm, I may not feel this way. I don't know. I'll say what I'm thinking, which is I don't ever want to be not coachable. Mm. sure yeah you know like i don't and maybe that's just because this is what i do for a living you know maybe so maybe there's there might be some like you know when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail mm. but i can't imagine a time in my life or I get, I get a little nervous about what it says about me not and not just because i'm a coach but i get nervous about what it says about me if i don't want to have a growth oriented a regular growth oriented conversation about my life mm. yes Maybe I'm, I'm trying to think where that where the wires are crossed there, or maybe not crossed, but perfectly fine. It's like uh, I get nervous that I'm coasting. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I know I know what I can't see without the help of people in my life to help me see it. So yeah. to take away a voice that helps me see what I can't see, options for success that are in front of me that I can't see, better ways of thinking that I can't see. Yeah, take a person out, I may be successful. I may I may still win, and I get that time mm-hmm. back and. And I may, you know, maybe that feels a relief and I don't have that relationship in my life anymore. And that might feel freeing. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but what am I leaving on the table by not having that conversation? Mm. How, and how do you, how would you, Jason, how would you contrast that with times of recovery? Well, I think it's the nature of the conversation, mm. you know, so uh, maybe, and maybe 
uh, so Steve Chandler, Steve didn't coin this phrase. He's got another phrase, but we we've misremembered, but he, he, he's the one who introduced me the phrase of soul line and goal line. So there's like soul line coaching and goal line coaching. Goal line coaching is where you're moving towards a goal. Soul line is kind of word more like existential coaching or way of being or emotional coaching or whatever you want to call it. And I I, I think for me, recovery coaching is more around soul line. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so like when I, I was talking, a, a lot of us are getting coached by Steve Chandler right now. And I was, and he's written like a thousand books. They call him the Godfather of Coaching. You can we'll have notes in the podcast that like point people towards all these people that we love. And he um he's been helping me create margin. Mm-hmm. in my life, you know? So because of him, I've, I've squeezed my calendar. I've now on Fridays, Fridays, I have meetingless Fridays where I'm still working, but I, I don't take any formalized meetings on Friday unless they're reactive and, and things like that. And that's been a huge gift to me because I was so overloaded and, and not using my mind. Well, I wasn't creating any space for my mind and the, the larger the company grows, the more important it is for me to have time to look out the window and dream of the future. And I didn't have any of that time. And so that's been really helpful for me and it's helped me serve my clients. I have better energy. I'm less grumpy with, with my staff most of the time and things like that, you know, so that's been really helpful. And I would call that more like recovery coaching or I came in, I came in burnout, tired, wounded, broken, exhausted, starting to go back to 12 steps, starting to go back to therapy. And so that's, that's the, that's the client Mm -hmm. that Steve got. And so he's helping me slow down and be present and slow down to speed up and to get, get brilliant, connected to my intuition, those types of things. And then sometimes I come in and I want to, I want to like cook, you know, like, yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to create this by this time. Let's, let's rock and roll. Yeah. And so it's yeah. a little, little different. Yeah, well, and I think, uh, for people who aren't familiar with coaching, sometimes the impression they can get is that, you know, hiring a coach basically means I I'm going to do more. Yeah. Uh, and so I can, mm, I can yeah. see how it can be confusing because I even like, and you, you said it quickly, but I think it's important to talk about like there's goal line coaching and there's soul line coaching. And, and I believe the type of coaching that we do is like a, a nice little dance between mm-hmm. the two. Yeah. Um, and it's for what's needed in the moment. And sometimes, you know, it's not more like, Oh no, this is going to mean that I'm going to have to work more, do more. It's like, no, it's actually, it's, it's what we say all the time, but getting more done in less time and mm-hmm. higher satisfaction. Actually satisfaction. And uh, so I, I think it's, you know, helpful. And, and with that in mind, then I can see, yeah, I never, I never don't want to have those conversations in my life. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was thinking like, and this might just be my little inner child, but I just really like the attention and someone (laughs) advocating for me, like, and, and holding like that powerful growth. So like, they love me no matter what, but love me too much to let me stay that way type thing. And just Mm -hmm. to have someone who is in my corner and celebrating with me and asking me the hard questions from a place of love, like that just might be my, I just never want to have, not have that in my, my life. I love having that type of advocate for, for me. So I, I don't know if that just like, I just like the attention and I like the advocacy, but I think that that really, that helps me get results because on my own, left to my own, I'm really good at kicking my own ass. And that's a, that's a go-to thing for me for performance. And so Mm -hmm. having somebody who is asking me the hard questions from a place of love, uh, helps train, train me to think that way about myself. And yeah, it helps me, helps me do incredible, incredible things that I never would have done otherwise. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if this is too much of a jump, but I think for me, I think, I think a beginning coach thinks in terms of sessions and a master coach thinks in terms of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so like oftentimes, especially as you raise your rates, you know, cause I mean, I think my clients, you know, pay, uh, comparatively speaking, quite a bit of money. And if they work that out per hour, it's like thousands of dollars per hour. And so then you think, okay, was this one conversation worth thousands of dollars? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that not to be, uh, Mm-mm. a resourceful question. Sometimes it is, you know, and then you, you, the three of you have heard stories I've told about conversations where I've made people hundreds of thousands of dollars or sometimes millions of dollars. And that's fine. And all of us have those stories. Um, but I think what more than that is the, it's a, it's a relationship. It's the, like when you're in love, you're not in love by the hour, you know, they, and they, well, they, and you can do that, but they have a word for that. That's called something else. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, and when you're like, when you're Twitter pated or when you're in love, you're in love when you're with the person and you're in love when you're not with the person, you get the benefits of being in love, whether you're with them or not. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think with my clients and, I, and I've heard all of your clients say things like this, like I've got a little Janet in my head. I've got a little Amanda in my head. I've got a little Gerber in my head or on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're paying for. You're mm-hmm. paying, the sessions yeah. are a the sessions are a spinning of the plate, a tightening uh, of the screws to you carrying that narrative, that new conversation in your head all the time. And then that's what you get. So if you to work with someone for a year, you get, you get a pretty good Janet that you're carrying around with you. Who's advocating for you, asking you tough questions. And, and then like, you know, kind of a WWJD, like what would Janet do? People I've heard people say like, before I went into this meeting, I thought, what would Jason do in this situation? And, mm-hmm. and it really isn't what, what I would do because they're, they're more talented than I am, but they upgrade what they would have done because of the relationship, the context that we've created. And that's, that's really ultimately what I think their people are paying for. Yeah. Or even like, not what, what I would do, but it's like, what would I ask? ask. It's almost like they're, they have the mini coaching conversation. Yeah. Like, imagine it right and play it out like okay amanda would probably ask me ask me this how would i answer right so it is almost like a inner conversation with a coach even when we're not, and i think that that is as a coach i want to teach the tool i want to give them is to have that conversation in their head and then we're yes. constantly like checking back in and coming but that is i want them to think that way i want that to be the primary conversation and that's that's the gift yeah that's good mm. Uh, final question: What what are you learning right now? What's exciting you? What's challenging you in your coaching practice? And that can be either as a coach or as a client. And just as you're thinking about it as a, as a setup, think about like the last few sessions you've had. Think about and it's, you know think about pain points or frustrations maybe you're having with yourself or with a client, or think about like some really great wins. You know, like a really cool win or cool moment that you've had, and and what do you think contributed to that? And again, both. Uh, with yourself or uh, as getting coached or as, as being a coach? So I've got, um, I'll, I'll share about what I'm learning right now, getting coached. Um, yeah. And what it's, it's fairly short and simple for me right now is I'm, I'm really learning where I get, I become unnecessarily con, uh, contentious. Mm. Um, so whether it's with people who may disagree with me on a, a million different things, my my tendency to almost get frustrated, especially if it's something that's like a a deeper value for me that I think there's a disagreement around, um, and I'm learning to really uh, really just allow anything to be on the table, 
and I'm kind of like, like a metaphorically kind of sitting back and like somebody says something that might like, you know, I'd be upset about, I just let it sit on the table for a little bit and just choose how I relate to it. And it's, it's been, it's been radically transformational for me that I'm learning as I'm getting coached. Um, and it, it is it, for people that are in coaching world, it's like, it's understanding my racket at a deeper level and how I almost set my world up to get like, you know, agitated about things. And then, um, and then it's helping me coach as well, because I just, I, I feel so much more clear headed. Mm. And it, and for me, the biggest thing is it's a departure from my own integrity when I do that, because I don't have a value called being unnecessarily contentious. I have a value called love. I have a value called patience. And then the moment when I get like unnecessarily agitated over something, um, I lose my integrity for that moment. And so I'm working towards living in deeper integrity of with my values. So like somebody says something like, let's put it on the table, let's discuss it. And, and it's, it's shifting, it's shifting my world in a hundred different ways right now. That's cool. That's cool. Girls. All right. Who's next? What I'm learning right now, I think the last couple of weeks for me in my practice has been really doing a good job of turning off after my sessions, meaning Mm -hmm. not carrying things from the conversations unnecessarily. So internal conversations like, Oh, did they create, did I create value for them? Did, are, do they still like me? You know, all the insecure voices. It's been fun to see the way in which I can uh, shut that off. Not that I'm shutting off the care voice, you know, like, Oh, I wonder how they're doing. How else can I serve them? Um, really leaving it on the call and not taking it with me because I know that's for a while that created a lot of extra energy and weight. And even, uh, we talk about recovery as coaches, you know, I get body work done and my tension's always in the back of my neck and my Mm -hmm. shoulders and, uh, just really building that muscle of, all right, when it's time to be there with them, I'm there. And then when it's done, I can go, you know, have a conversation, uh, with someone in my family, uh, go have fun and not carry it with me unnecessarily. So that's kind of where I'm growing right now. Yeah, that's good. Amanda. Yeah. I think the, the growth or the struggle for me again, I think is back to the sandbagging a little bit. So as we're planning our 2021 vision to actually have the courage to, own the game I want to play and to own a bigger game than maybe I feel comfortable with. I find that actually there's a lot of success in a lot of different areas. Like I touch things and they grow. And, um, so I think that there is a place of like, Hey, I'm just doing good. I'm doing all right. And things are going really well and patting myself on the back and feeling good about that, which feels really good after, um, some of the seasons that I've been through recently. And so There is this like, just like to keep going and to not be afraid of the momentum, but to step into it and to like, not just even write it, but to leverage it to really create, it's like, oh my gosh, like that actually could be the vision that, that I could be living into and to not be scared of it or hold back, but to really step fully into it. Yeah, that's great. You know, my, my, well, there's lots of areas of growth. I think the one that's most interesting to me, maybe not that vulnerable, but interesting to me is like, I want to thrill my clients. Mm -hmm. I want to thrill them. I I want, 
I want it to radically change every part of their life forever in a way that when they think that when their great grandchildren think about it, they cry out of gratitude for my life intersecting theirs. Like that's that's what I want. And and through through how much money they make or the relationships or the impact they have in the world or whatever, you know, like however they wanted to find that in many ways, I want them to just just for it to, to be awesome. And what I'm discovering is what I'm learning is. Uh, the the you, just saying that doesn't mean it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and just saying that doesn't mean that they want it to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I think part of what I'm learning is how do you or not? I haven't. I'm not even learning it yet. This is what I want to learn. So I'm not learning this. Is what I want to learn. I want to learn how to create a context to where they're as as much wanting that thrill as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you train people to crave what you want for them? Mm. And, yeah. and to, I want, I want to be the kind of coach that where people, when they show up to work with me, they are ready to make magic with their life. They are like, that's what they're craving. And how do you train someone to crave something like that so that they can get the most bang for their buck from this experience that I want to provide for them? You know, I think that's, mm. it's a very intoxicating question for me and, you know, maybe on another podcast, we can spend time talking about the lead up to that and what happened, the context for that and things that I'm trying that are working and things that I'm trying that aren't working and all sorts of stuff. But I want to figure out, I want to figure out how 15 minutes with me will change someone's life forever. I want to figure out how 30 seconds with me will change someone's life forever. I want to figure out how someone looking at you can change uh, their lives forever. Like how far Mm -hmm. can you push that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's worth living into. And I really, and really, as a close of this, that's something that that's why we do these podcasts, you know, like the four of us and we'll have other coaches from our firm on the show and, and later episodes. That's the thing that all of us have in common is, is what Janet said at the beginning. We want to be masters at this. Yeah. Like we want to be experts. And as, as Steve Hardison taught me to be a master is always to remain a student, which is what Gerber was talking about earlier with a, with a beginner's mentality, but to say, Hey, like uh, there's this sacred thing called a conversation and how do you maximize and amplify the power of a conversation to change not only your life, the lives of people you're talking with and the lives of people that they talk with as a ripple effect. I think that's why we love this work so much. And that's what this podcast is ultimately about, about us figuring out how do you, there's this car called coaching. How do you get the most out of it? So mm. Gerber, Janet, Amanda, thank you so much for, for playing. And hopefully this will be valuable. We had, I had a great time. This is not a bad way for me to spend a Saturday morning with people that I love talking about a thing that we all love. And I hope that you have a great rest of your Saturday. Yes. Thanks. You too. Thank Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and remember, dare to go beyond high performance.